0: So like Debbie was just sharing, and she was saying just now, was that, and as Dale, we're going into a week where we're going to have a holiday club, and our theme is the circus. And, you know, we're going to be looking at different characters. So one of the people we're going to be looking at is Daniel. We're going to be looking at Elijah. The laughing lady that they spoke about is Sarah. We're going to be looking at, I like to say Shad and the boys, Shad, Jack, Meshach, and Abednego. And then the last person that we're going to be looking at is the person of Jesus. And, you know, as we're going into this week, our heart is that our children would have a revelation of who Jesus is. You know, when I was eight years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. I remember I was very lonely. I was such a lonely kid. I would look in the mirror and I would talk to myself at five. <laughs> you can laugh, you don't have to feel sorry for me. And I remember I was eight and I was sitting in Sunday school and my Sunday school teacher began to speak about how Jesus wants to be our friend. I remember sitting there as an eight-year-old and I heard the word friend and everything in me perked up and sat up. I just remember thinking a friend, my own friend to have in my heart. And by the time and that lesson came to an end, and they said, who wants this friend in their heart? You know, I was such a shy, reserved eight-year-old. Let me tell you, I was in that, the front of that classroom asking Jesus to come into my heart. And you know, the mark of my relationship with Jesus, he's my friend. And I remembered time passed, and I remember I was now 15, and that experience that had happened had faded. You know, I, I grew up in a time where the church was just the church lots of rules. I remember, you know, at 14, the debate going on, should Christian girls wear pink or red nail polish? What was more decent? You know, there were all these issues at all these rules. You can't do this and you can't do that. And by the time I was 15, that encounter that I had as an eight-year-old had long faded away. And I remember one morning, In our house, you got up and you went to church. You know colored mamas, they speak once and they smack twice. So if they say, time to church. Oh yeah, we're going to church. I might have a bad attitude. And so I walked into church, I'll never forget. And I remember what the weather was like. I remember where I sat. I walked in, always sat at the back. You know, have issues with the church. You sit at, not, not all the time, but me at the back, right? And so I walk in and worship is happening and they're loving Jesus and the presence of the Lord is good. I didn't care. I was there because, you know, Mama said, and besides Jesus, this relationship wasn't all that anymore. We had a guest speaker that day, and she was a little Korean woman. When I say little, I mean little. We could barely see her behind the pulpit, and the church I was in had this big pulpit. And But, you know, she caught my attention. When I looked at her face, I saw a face totally lit up with the glory of Jesus. I didn't know what the glory of Jesus was. I didn't know what it means for somebody to carry the anointing and the authority of God. And let me tell you, at 15, I was on a path to destruction because they were inward thoughts. And this woman stood up and she began to share about the persecuted church. She was Korean and what was happening there. I was sitting there and she spoke and I went, persecutor, what? I'd never heard that the church was persecuted. And I was sitting there thinking, this religion that I'm tired of and, and bored of people are losing their lives over. And she began to speak what they were facing as Koreans. She began to talk about the underground church. I was thinking, are they living under the ground? I didn't know that I hadn't heard that ever in my life. And hearing about churches meeting in secret, singing in secret, praising Jesus, and I would think, why would they risk their lives? But as I looked at this woman, I didn't see or hear religion. I saw Jesus her. Nobody told me, Haley, you're on the wrong path. I saw Jesus. And that 15-year-old, something in me resonated. And the rules of, you can't do this as a Christian, you can't do that as a Christian, they fell away. And I was encountered. I heard of the power of Jesus. She shared testimonies of how they were marked for execution, some of them on certain days. And how they prayed. And they cried out to God. And how they walked out of places they should never be allowed to walk out of. I was gobsmacked. I was amazed. And that day, something turned in my heart. Jesus was more than the rules in the Bible and what I was allowed to do. I grew up in a home where secular music was known. I wanted, like, we're just going to sing every secular song out there. And Mama's like, nope, we're holy in this house. And I struggled with that. But when I listened to that woman and I saw something I'd never seen in my life, <laughs> something changed. I made very different decisions. I ended up going to Bible college, not some of the things I wanted to do. And you know, as somebody who's called to minister to kids, the cry of my heart, so we would have a generation that knows Jesus. That's the cry of my heart. Way more than rules, way more than knows the power of Jesus. Guys, we need kids who know and adults who know the power of Jesus. And when we're sharing these stories, these are people I mean, Elijah going up in a chariot of fire, that is not a Hollywood movie, and there was no stuntman. That was real. We want a generation to know. Do you know, guys, They're theologians and most commentaries would say, do you know that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were between the ages of 15 and 18? Did you know that? Those boys were taken into captivity, away from mommy, away from daddy, into a Babylonian empire, a godless empire. But let me tell you, when a king in all his might and all his power stood and said, boys, I'm the boss of this kingdom, you do what I say, they went, heck no. Where did the courage come from? Do you know that in Jewish households, they would impress the word, the Torah, into the hearts of their children, that by 12 they would know it. Mom did a good job. They impressed who Yahweh was, the one true God, that at 15 or 18, The Babylonian empire was the strongest of the day. And they say, boys, bow or burn. And they went, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. My God will save us, and if he doesn't, so what? You know why they had a revelation? They didn't bow to the pressure, and that's what we need. We need a generation who can say no to peer pressure. And our heart, even next week, is that we're going to have lots of fun. It's going to be crazy in this place. But we are trusting God that kids go away. Marked for Jesus. And we're going to look at one of the people today, Peter, and we've called him the great escape artist. And that's exactly what Peter is. And so our story opens up in Acts 12. You can follow along. Let's see what happens to Peter. And I, I don't want to say story. I want to say an account because it's not a story and it's not made up. It's real. And so we see in Acts 12, verse 1, it says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. So Herod was going after the believers. This was a politically motivated move. He was doing it to grow his political influence. And he was arresting the believers. And then we read on in verse 2 and 4. He says, and he had... The Apostle James, which was John's brother, killed with the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration, and then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So we see that James is beheaded, Peter is arrested. Guys, per- persecution and martyrdom was not due to this church. In Acts 7, we see the stoning of Stephen. Because what had happened was Stephen was speaking. And in towards the end of what he was saying, he says, I see Jesus at the right hand of God. And so the people, the Bible says they grabbed, they blocked their ears, and they were so angry at Stephen's declaration because they didn't want to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And they stoned him. But this persecution happened with the religious authority. This was the Sanhedrin that had caused the stoning. What happened in Acts 7? The church spread. Boy, it scattered. You know what is interesting? They didn't run to caves. They didn't run to a bungalow in their, in their house. You know why? Because they had been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. They were not afraid. There was fire in their bones. But they spread. Philip goes down to Samaria and he wraps it up for Jesus. He encounters a sorcerer. He, he, got, he goes along and he's running in a chariot. You know, the Ethiopian. I mean, if I had to run along a chariot, good Lord, I'd have a heart failure. You'd be like, somebody would presiding my funeral. But there's this guy and he goes, hey, do what you're reading. Oh, and he just, they talk about it and he says, I'm reading about Isaiah. No, the whole, whole story leads the man to Jesus. Do you, remember, do you realize the Bible says the gospel is going to go to Judea, Samaria. And the ends? So I don't know exactly what happened. After the persecution of Stephen, they left Judea. Hey, persecution brought about what God had intended. The very next, Judea, the next place was Samaria. Philip was ripping it up. So the church between Acts 7 and Acts 12, it was like, okay, Stephen said he's with Jesus now, but there's power. The, the apostles are doing their thing. The disciples are, are doing their thing for Jesus. You get to Acts 12, <laughs> screech to a halt, there's more problems. Somebody is beheaded. Now, the difference in Acts 12, in Acts 7, it was the religious authority. Now, it's civil authority. He was beheaded. When there was any beheading, it was the government. So now the government was coming against the church. The stoning of Stephen, like I said, caused the spreading of the gospel. And so what are they going to do now? The government is not for what they're doing. Oh, they didn't have a council, a committee. We're going to petition the government. We're going to write letters. No, they didn't do that. In verse 5, it says, But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And I trust that when I'm in a prison of circumstance and situations, I'm surrounded by a church like Peter was. So Peter's in prison. It's a very unsettling time. His future is uncertain. But what happens? The church gets together and they earnestly pray. In this verse... That word church that we read in English, is a fancy Greek word that I'm not going to share, but this is what it means. It means a body of believers. It means a people called out from the world to God. Look at each other and say, hi, church. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you look at each other and say, hi, church. Not the walls, you. You're the church, a people called out. And it also means a people belonging to the Lord. A people belonging to the Lord, they marked by one thing and one thing only, they marked by holiness. Holiness is not a swear word. A people called out belonging to the Lord are marked by holiness. 1 Peter 1.16 says this, be holy because I am holy. God is speaking. His declaration is be holy, church, as I am holy. This cross references to Leviticus 19.2. You are to be holy to me. Because I, the Lord, am holy and have set you apart from the nations to be my own. It has always been the intention and the heart of God to have a people to himself. That has always been, remember in the garden? You know, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, it just said he came down in the cool of the evening and spent time with them. That's how it all started. It has always been God's intention to have a people to himself. That word holy that we read in 1 Peter 1.16. It's a fancy Greek word. But I'm not going to say it, but this is what it means. That word holy, it's not complicated. It means likeness of nature with the Lord because different from the world. Likeness of nature with the Lord because we're different from the world. It simply means my nature is like God's nature and I'm different from the world. So I have two hula hoops. It's not two hula. I can't hula it'll go down very bad. So I want you to see this first one is the world. When I'm unsaved, the Bible says when I come into salvation, there's something supernatural. You know, when we say the sinners prayer, something supernatural happens. The Bible says when we ask Jesus into our heart, it says this, we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter. Somebody said you were a mistake. When you ask Jesus into your heart, you are translated into the kingdom of light, and in the kingdom of light, you are wanted, loved, and accepted. And so we make that transition. That's what happens when we're born again. We leave this behind, and when we hear, we begin sanctification. God, the, and the Holy Spirit works in us, become more like Him. But we begin walking on a lifestyle of holiness as believers. We have to be different to the world. Later on in the story, we see that Peter's delivered. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know why he was delivered? I believe that Peter was delivered because a holy church was lifting up holy hands. Okay? Because what sometimes happens, we hear Jesus finds us in our mess. And we translate it. Oh, but we don't want to leave some things behind. Yeah, kingdom of light. But you know what? Man, I love crude jokes. I don't want to leave that behind. I'm going to take it with me. No. Let no impure thing come out of your mouth. Oh, but you know, I know he's unsaved, but he's so handsome and I like him. I can't leave him behind. Uh Uh-uh. Do not be equally yoked with the unbeliever. But I will missionary date him. No. Do not be equally yoked with the unbeliever. And so what happens? We do the two-step. Now we're here, now we're there. And, you know, we're exhausted. Guys, I remember growing up, just the things I struggled with as a teen and a young adult. I don't want to leave them behind. The one day I was so mad. I was like, ah, being a Christian's boring. You know, I want to be here singing like, when I talk to the kids, I go, yeah, Cardi B songs, hey? And they go, woo! You know? I say, yeah, because you don't want it. God's calling us into holiness, and there were so many things that God was challenging me as a believer that was so hard. And the one day, the Holy Spirit said to me, Haley, were you carrying and you're holding onto his stones? When I call you into this lifestyle, you're exchanging your stones for diamonds. I said, what does that mean? And when I saw that Korean woman that I was talking, he says, that's what I'm talking about. It's not boring. Look at that life. Look at the power of God coming out of her. Guys, to the degree that we submit to this, is the degree that we carry authority. We say, and I remember this song. Do you remember that song? I sang on Monday, how much I want revival. But then on Sunday, I can't even find my, what? Bible. You know what? Because we've got Sunday Christians. And I tell you what, Jesus to me, you, but to the degree that you heal to this. And you know what? Suddenly, as much as I didn't want to, there was a great exchange. Young people in this room. To the lie of the enemy, there are some young people in the room. You, even this week, you've had some discussions with your parents, and I'm telling you about Word and Knowledge right now. It is not boring. It is not; it's well worth it. To the this is my manual. The world might say A, B, C, D, da da da, da, da. but the Bible says, and therefore nev- I live. That's what holiness, my nature. Oh, but you don't understand. I just I'm just straightforward, and I just say it like it is. No, you're unkind be holy. The servant of the Lord is gentle. Oh, you don't know my kids. They only listen if I scream. No. The servant of the Lord is gentle. Gotta walk in holiness. Let your gentleness be evident. You got leave some things behind. Be holy as I'm holy. Let my nature be like his nature. Guys, when that happens, you become a dangerous Christian because when you pray, the devil goes, oh, I'm backing off from that one. I want to demonstrate something. Debbie's the devil, just for this. What do I mean by that? She's not, actually. She's one of my favorite people. And this is what I mean. When I don't leave these things behind, okay, I'm holding on to unforgiveness. You don't know what they did to me. They robbed me out of my inheritance. But the Bible says, Forgive. No! I'm holding on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and move on. Try, it's so hard, I'm having a down day, I'm having an up day, oh my gosh. Okay. And so what happens is I've got unforgiveness, I've got anger, I've got hatred. I'm watching stuff on TV. I shouldn't be watching, nobody's looking, no big deal. But then there's a problem and I'm gonna pray. Oh, I know I'm a believer, I'm gonna pray. And I stand and I address that thing and I pray. You know what the devil's doing? He's standing on this and you know, what he's saying, Oh, these bosses are rebellious. I got you, babe, I got you, babe. Gonna see no freedom. Are we standing on this? And we going, we need breakthrough. How are we praying huh? on? I got you, babe. I got you, babe. You know how he's not going to have you, babe? You got to let that thing go. I got to let that thing go. Huh? Hey, I don't want to be got by him. I have been taken out the kingdom of darkness and translated here. And when I let that thing go and I say, hey, you get getting your hands off my business. But I'm not going. To get your hands off my business. Oh, these people, these taxi drivers, look how they drive. No, 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 no you're getting these people. Who are these people? Uh uh-uh. uh. Aibo. No. Not these people. No, come on. Thanks, Debs. And she's not the devil. Okay? So, what is that to tell? Listen. Guys, this scripture has been one of the scriptures that has scared. Me in terms of don't mess with the things of God. Psalm 66, 18 says this. And I'm reading from the Amplified Bible because you know the Amplified amplifies things, hey? It doesn't just say it, it amplifies. It says this, if I regard sin and baseness in my heart, if I know that there is something and do nothing about it, the Lord will not hear me. The context of Psalm 66, it was written by a king who had a great enemy come against him. God delivered him from that, and God delivered his nation. And he was giving thanks to God. And in this, he said, if I had regarded sin and baseness in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. The Bible says he will not hear me. Because you can't, we're not doing the two-step. We can't do the two-step. Listen, we're going to mess up. That's why there's grace and forgiveness. There's nothing that he won't forgive. Okay? So now what happens? When a church, when you and I position ourselves in holiness, like we've been talking about, let's read on to verse 6 and 7. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Man, he was sleeping. This man knew Jesus. Fastened with chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate, and suddenly, because a holy church was lifting up holy hands, there was a suddenly in someone's life. There was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter the angel struck him on the side to awaken him in and said, quick, get up. Do you see what happened? And the chains fell off. As a holy church lifting up holy hands as they prayed, it released the miraculous into someone's life that needed it. It then says in verse 8 to 11, then the angel said to him, get dressed. Oh, what a holy statement and such a serious. How do you know how practical Christianity is? I'd be going, you're an angel. An angel's like, shut up, get dressed. Got to get you out of here. It says, get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell. Peter left the cell because the Holy Church was lifting up holy hands. He left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them by itself. An iron gate opened. And suddenly the angel left him. Peter finally came to his senses. He says, it's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod, and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. What we see in this account, we see that Peter was able to escape death. He was able, he was marked for death. But a holy church was lifting up holy hands. And, you know, as we round this up and bring it to close, there's two approaches. You know, some of us, you might think my business is marked for death. You don't understand the direction that's going with my child. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. You might say, it's hopeless. It's impossible, my marriage. But I want to remind you today, the God of Peter is my God, and he's your God. And he is well able to deliver, and he doesn't change. The other way that we can apply it to us today: where is it that we need to let go? What is it? What defining decisions do we need to make? Where? And I can tell you now you'd be all the better for those defining decisions that you would make in your life. Because we were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into this glorious kingdom of light. And I want to just encourage you today, if you are here and you're saying, "There's a prison." There's a door that we need supernaturally to be opened as a family. We want to come around you as the church and pray. There's something that you trust in God for a miracle for in your life, in your family, and in your business. Would you put up your hand? Would you be so brave? Just put up your hand, and we're going to pray. We're going to trust. Yeah, yeah. Just put there. I'm telling you now. Our God, the God of Peter, is my God and your God. And we're going to trust him. We are trusting God today that those doors are going to open. Whether it's insomnia, it doesn't matter. We are trusting God. Shall we pray in faith? Father, you see every hand. And God, you know what the issue is, but we stand in faith. And we lift it up to you and we declare that the God of Peter is our God. The God who sent an angel to bring deliverance is the God that would bring deliverance. God, I pray into uh, family relationships with children and parents, I ask that you would restore, that you would heal and that you would bring peace. I pray over people who are struggling to sleep, whether it's insomnia. Right now, I pray over anyone with insomnia today, God, that from this day forward, your word says that we will both lie down and sleep. It doesn't say we're gonna lie down and be anxious. It says we will lie down and sleep. I thank you that where there's insomnia, there would be peace and, and healthy sleeping patterns Father, I pray that we're businesses. There needs to be a miracle. I thank you this week for a miracle for businesses. I pray, God, in, in marriages where there's a stalemate and people think where to from here today, that you release peace, that you release wisdom on how for that marriage to go forward and to be healed and kept together. I pray, God, where there's pain in bodies today that you would touch any pain, anybody in pain and bring healing in Jesus' name. I pray, God, where some people are feeling hopeless and you are weary, I pray, over the weary people people in this room today. And I thank you for refreshing, refreshing, refreshing of every weary soul. And we all say amen. Amen. Guys, be blessed this week. And I'm going to hand over to Debbie.